Hello. And welcome to the Babble Bubble. This is part 2 of a two-part series on Star Wars, Attack of the Clones shenanigans. And the wacky characters we have come to love as our own. Before proceeding, please listen to part 1. Thank you and may there. Error. 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 Be with you. A communications disruption can mean only one thing. Invasion. A communication disruption can only mean one thing. Negotiation. We've lost all communication. Invasion. What will the future of Star Wars bring? You must contact me. You must contact me and listen to read. They wouldn't dare. It's unthinkable. In this Yobibbles Bubble Bubble Star Wars Prequels Appreciation Podcast. It's outrageous. Okay, so we, um, we'll leave Coruscant. We'll follow Anakin and, and Padme. And I have to say, I did not do any preparation for the refugee ship. If there's anybody on the refugee ship who you feel is worth saluting or i guess it's not even really a refugee ship it's just like a public transportation like the bus of the sky the greyhound that uh <laughs> anakin and padme take to naboo yeah i didn't uh i didn't write anybody for this scene uh not yet although i do love the location and I, and I love the hustle and bustle but you know it's more it's more intimate you know it's hard to pick people out of that crowd i i think though isn't there someone who doesn't like r2 getting the food Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like jogging my memory about that now. That's true. It's it's very. Yeah, I think a, that particular part of their romance is most likely the most forgettable because it's not as pretty as Naboo or Action Oriented Geonosis. But it did start there in the conversation on that ship, and it's maybe three minutes of screen time. But I think there's a moment where R two, you know, because he plays waiter, and either he bumps into somebody or he grabs the wrong stuff. This goes to show how many times I've just glazed over the scene. But it, maybe it touches upon the whole, like, oh, as we see in A New Hope, why uh, we don't like droids and cantinas, you know? Yeah. The whole yeah, idea, they just, they just get in the way or they, they do something. We'll do a, a sequel to this podcast solely on that scene. We'll, we'll break it down frame by frame, every Absolutely. single character. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. But we'll, we'll stick with, with Padme and Anakin. We'll get to Naboo. Now, one thing I love about the scenes in Naboo when they're first at the Capitol, is that you can see Gungans walking in the background. And fancy-looking Gungans, too. Not just like the Swamp People Gungans, but we're talking about wearing the robes, wearing the special hats. And so it's a nice little nod about the fact that Gungans didn't just, you know, Boss Nass didn't just pick up that orb and yell peace at the end of the Phantom Menace. But Gungans are starting to be integrated into the society of the Naboo. Yes. And so just seeing them walk in the background, I don't know their names, I don't know their stories, just goes to show they're being treated like equals. You know, they get to walk the palace grounds, not as staff or as a sideshow or anything. So that that made me particularly happy. What about you, Alden? Anything about Naboo that just fills your heart with joy? You know, I do want to add to that Gungan point. It's really cool that, you know, you're you're tracking that thread because by the time we get to the post-original trilogy era, where the next time we see Gungans in, in the life of Han Solo... I don't know if you read uh, Daniel Jose Older's uh, Last Shot novel, but Han approaches that Gungan at a, at a desk, and the, the Gungan's like doing like clerical work. Yeah, and, and Han's like, 
uh, uh, Wisa. And then the Gungan's like, let me stop you right there. Uh, we don't all talk that way, buddy. And I think that that, that started here. That's growth. <laughs> Absolutely. It, you know, it was all working your way up to the bureau, you know, bureaucracy. Uh, yep. Really, like I say, warms my heart. One of my my favorite things about when they go to the lake at Naboo is that, and this was in the, this is another little, a little fun fun fact here. So when they were announcing the re-release of the prequels as 3D movies, they had expanded visual dictionaries for each of them. So you can get the expanded visual dictionary for the Phantom Menace that came out in tandem with the 3D release of that. Uh, but since the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney interrupted that schedule and they just shelved all that, the expanded dictionary, visual dictionary for uh, Attack of the Clones never got released in the States, but it did in Denmark or the Netherlands. I don't That's remember. Fantastic. <laughs> there is extended information about Naboo and particularly the lake folk of Naboo. The people who live in and around the lake where they go hang out. And uh, I just like that they're called Lake Folk because it makes me feel like we're uh, looking at the men of Dale <laughs> yes. in The Hobbit. So, you know, there's Bard the Bowman hanging out like, I Lake Folk, we're just a mere traitors. I love <laughs> it so dwar- much. The dwarves come in, except instead of dwarves, it's the it's the Gungans, and maybe they have a song about the bosses instead of the, the Misty Mountain and the dwarves. Like maybe when the Gungans are rich, the Lake Folk are, are doing well. And they name some of the characters there and and what they do. And there's very famous artists and religious folks who, who hang out in the background. And That's fantastic. Nice, Just, nice little shout out. Lake, lake people, the lake people, the lake people are great. And, uh, you know, this whole Nebu sequence, I mean, you know, it's not in the, the finished cut, but obviously, you know, we got to give some love to, you know, the Naberi family, Padme's relatives, uh, who are also there, who I guess live close to the lake folk. I mean, I'm assuming that that's their lake house that they're chilling in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they're great in yet, those deleted scenes. Harry says they go vacation at the uh-huh. uh, at the lake house, so they they live in the capital, but they're they're known to to spend extended period of times hanging out at the lake with the lake folk. There, the master of the lake. <laughs> Who doesn't want to, honestly? <laughs> right. I mean, I think that's the best place in all of Star Wars. Isn't that cool gondola thing? They I love that. In. Also, yeah. the the ducks being canon, wonderful. Uh huh. Absolutely. Those strange almond cow looking things that roll hop around in the field, and um, you know, even though he doesn't show up in the film, but he gets a name. I think we got to get some love to Paolo. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh man, the source of Anakin's insecurity. <laughs> Sing to me, Paolo. <laughs> That's a crossover. There Hillary, we go. That's a crossover. Hillary Duff for the Mandalorian. She's she's back in TV. <laughs> Hillary Duff and Padme on the dollar Eskimo sisters via Paolo. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm putting that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. It <laughs> I just love the name Paolo in general. So like, oh, what's Star Wars name? It's like the same guy who came up with <laughs> <laughs> with Sleaze Bagano. I was like, what do we call the artist? Uh, Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> but they probably spelled it with an apostrophe or something. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Paolo. Actually, here, here's my, here's my headcanon. He's actually a Powan from Utapau. And so it's spelled 
P-A-U, pow, apostrophe L-O. So it's like an Uta Powen is wandering around like in the boo. And he's the one who becomes the Grand Inquisitor. Oh my God, it all ties together. Whoa. It's a young, it's a young white-faced Jason Isaacs with stripes on his face. I love that so much. He's got them sharp teeth. Sharp teeth, those yellow eyes. That's Deep canon. voice. Oh man, all the lake folk were jumping up on that. That means that Padme is into that inner species, which, you know, I expect that of a liberal uh, young queen. Love it. Oh, biggest disappointment about the whole Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril novels. We don't get to see that side of her fully explored like we deserved. <laughs> just a flirt. We don't even need to see a dive into anything, but just like a nice caress of an Ishy Tibbs cheek. And just be like, oh, I like your beak. A nice, I do. Nice I, I do. Uh. I do wonder about her tastes. Who doesn't? I like to, I like to imagine she's got a thing for Duros. Um, like Shriv. Kind of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he fits the... I don't know how, how long they age, but he's kind of a grizzled guy come to Rebellion, so he's probably a young buck, young stud when Padme was kicking. And I, I think she's got the thing with the Duros for one reason. As you know, the Duros are kind of related to the Nemoidians. I think they have a shared ancestry somewhere, or maybe used to in the old EU. I'm not sure. I could be making this up, but they look very similar. And so I think it's kind of a power play. Like, she doesn't have what it takes to stomach being with an Emoidian because after what they did to her people, but she still wants to be dominant over one. So the closest she can get is a Duros. But along the way, she realized they're not half bad. That's uh, honestly beautiful. We need to greenlight this for Disney Plus immediately. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It, it, I'm, I'm just picturing kind of like a uh, it's like the Bachelor or the Bachelorette with Padme and just a bunch of different aliens just hanging out during her early years as a senator. But after like every screening of an episode, we have to cut to Anakin just sobbing. <laughs> yeah, it's just slightly. Yeah. Well, the question. So the show Anakin sobbing would it be trying to age up digitally a younger Jake Lloyd? Or are we going to age down Hayden as the years <laughs> progress, you know, because that gets to be. I think we should do a couple seasons uh, of each and sort of like make it like. So what we'll do is we'll do a special edition of Attack of the Colognes where, you know, he says like, you know, I thought about you every day for 10 years. You know, I, I dream of her Obi-Wan. And then we cut to like like record scratch, like forget, forget like what she was doing for those 10 years. And it's just date after date after date with every species. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i love it and rush clovis is just like following her around <laughs> it's like hey maybe maybe this is my lucky break like literally like one of the dates she's doing like the sign language with a tuscan raider like like i'm talking <laughs> every species we're talking about everybody here yeah when sabe was hanging on the boo they did a little trade for a brief moment there just to check out what was uh what was going on so uh anyhow that's naboo Let's make it over to Camino. We've talked a little bit about these folks, but it seems like you are on the edge of your seat, itching to dive into the prime minister himself, the, the king of kings, the the sheik of sheiks. <laughs> the best there is. The best, the best there, was. there is. The llama of all llamas. The Dalai Lama looks up to this llama, Mr. Lama Su himself. Let me tell you why Lama Su fascinates me, Reed. Let me tell you. When you look at Tanwi, you know... Dad, Tonwi's here, like very kind. You know, she's the first one you meet. Uh, you know, she has a certain look. These are very classic, you know, inspired by the classic, you know, gray men, like very uh, simple in their in their elegance. 
But then you meet Lama Sue, and he's a little different. He's got this uh, dorsal fin on his head. He's got this little this little, little uh, fin mohawk. And it made me wonder, do they decide who the prime minister is based on, like, this one birth abnormality? <laughs> you know, that is an excellent point. Yeah, is it really that animalistic? Like, you get the, the bighorn sheep with the biggest horns, or the lion yeah. with the biggest mane. Like I, I this, like it. <laughs> Lama Sue was born, and they were like, he's got the fin. He needs to be trained for government. <laughs> he was trained for go- or maybe it's something you develop. Like all of them have an ingrained fin in their skull. Yet once you get elected, they like tap your forehead in a mystical way that only like the, the ancients of the Kaminoans know how to do. And that will unlock the fin and whoop, it goes out. Oh, or yeah, like they could be like, it's time for the erecting of the fin. The erecting. When- oh boy, there we go. Maybe he's just aroused all the time. <laughs> They all That's gather around Lama Sue. Lama Sue's like cloning makes me randy. Makes me randy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Is that a dorsal fin on your your head? Are you just happy to see me? That makes <laughs> no sense because we're saying. Oh, the. Do- that a fish on your head? I guess they all have like fish as heads on top of beanstalks. I don't know how they came up with the Kaminoans, but it's just a great, a great character design. You know, like tall giraffe people. Because they got those kind of like hooves for feet. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of do. And it's like you got to wonder if the, the Kaminoans are at all related to a Yariel Poof species, the Komirans. Yes, you, you have to wonder that indeed. It, it's funny because Yariel Poof's species, as I've uh, mentioned on the show before, I'm, I'm a big fan of the guy, is uh, at least in legends, very force in tune. Uh, when we see the comic where he dies, there's four of them who are attending his funeral, and all of them are Jedi. So you don't see his species often, but the only times you do are as Jedi. So I think that's kind of a maybe they are related. Like the Kaminoans got the like good dorky science genes, and then like Yariel Poofin coming like later, we're gonna make stuff float. That's that's a great uh, idea for again a comic miniseries. An animated series like the Great Schism of the Long Necks. <laughs> the Great like... Schism of the Long Necks. You know, it's it's great. While we're on Yariel Poof and his similarities is, is the Kaminoans. That is why Coleman Trebor, the dinosaur alien, shows up as a uh, so the dinosaur Jedi shows up in Geonosis because originally they did have Yariel Poof, but George Lucas was afraid he looked too similar to a Kaminoan, so they had to CGI something over his head. And they went with the dinosaur face. Yeah. I could see that. That sounds like a very George solution. Mm-hmm. Just cover uh, it up. <laughs> you got to make them different. Um, figure it out. <laughs> and so that's why they, um, yeah, that's why they ended up having to find a reason for him to die. And currently in canon, they don't have that reason for Uriel Poof's death. And I always say, you know, if I were to ever become a famous author and Lucas would approach me and say, and the Lucas Story Group, you get to write any novel of your choice. It'd be the Yariel Poof story. Figure out that, what happened to him. That's so beautiful, but all written in like haikus and limericks. Oh, yes. It's going to be very dirty limericks, limericks, too. You know, we're going to be all over the place. You know, maybe Yariel Poof uh, was one of the ones Padme had to go with. <laughs> oh, yes. Canon. Love it. Canon. That's what did it. It's that, that long neck. She wasn't sure what to do with it and just snapped it. We don't make the rules, legs. people. And I'll make the rules. No, this is 
it's George Lucas's baby here. You know, we just we just look at it. <laughs> we just look at it. We just look at it. It's a new tagline for this show. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's basically the Star Wars fandom. Star Wars fans, we just look at it. <laughs> like, ah, there you go. Oh, so good. It's all glorified looking. The YouTube channels, the podcast, the people who stream, whatnot. We're just glorified lookers who have our own little take on things that we just like, try to maybe we could be doers but being a looker is just so much easier <laughs> so much easier there's so little work i mean yeah every so often there's the dave filonis of the world who graduate from looker to doer but you know most of us we're just kind of stuck and we're okay with that you know absolutely and i think there's a couple of doers who are lookers as well once they stop doing you go back to looking it's that that simple the looker you know you, you're always welcome back into the looking family it's for free it is for free or six ninety nine a month on Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, but yes, <laughs> the Camino. <ends. laughs> what a concept! Uh, what a concept! Great name too. Like I wonder, you know, there's all these name shout outs. Like, oh, this is a play on someone's name. Was there someone whose name was like Kim Owen? And they're like, yeah, Kim, we love you a lot. We're gonna slightly change it. You can be Cam Cam Neon Camino. That's for you, Kim. You and your long neck that you're self-conscious of, but we're going to draw attention to it. Somebody that like works in like Lucasfilm accounting. They were <laughs> yeah. like, hey, look at t- get a little long neck, Kim. Maybe if we slither into Attack of the Clones. <laughs> hey, that's what you get for taking my lunch, Kim. My name was on it. <laughs> oh, man. There we go. Uh, so anybody else on Camino? I mean, there's not that many people except just a... A bunch of uh, Django Fets walking around. So I actually uh, am so glad you asked, my friend, because there is one person that deserves a shout out. And it's a little bit of a cheat, but uh, I'm sure you'll appreciate where I'm coming from here. So we're trying to highlight people that are just an attack of the clones. And while clones obviously appear as well in Revenge of the Sith, and then, of course, in their own series and another series on the way. But talking about these films, they're in two and three. But... The spe- I wrote down here specifically the younger Django clones played by Bodie Taylor and not Tamora Morrison because there oh. are because there's obviously Daniel Logan as little Boba and then you see some other Daniel Logans you know when they're like you know accelerating ac- accelerated aging and they're like explaining everything to Obi Wan we cut to where the clones eat and for us for one moment it's all a different actor. Because they wanted him to be more in like the 20 year old range. And it's an actor mm-hmm. named Bodie Taylor. And he showed up to like Star Wars cons before. And I just want to give him some love because he literally just had to play a younger Tamora Morrison for that moment. And then he never appeared again. <laughs> Is he? So that's the scene where like they're eating like they're in a prison, right? Looking over their shoulders, quickly eat before the next guy takes your food. Exactly. They're all wearing the red garb instead yeah, of the blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy is Bodie right. Taylor. <laughs> Well, there we go. Ex- excellent, excellent shout out. Uh, glad we're giving a little more Camino words due. So we're going to make it over to Tatooine now. You know, Anakin's return to Tatooine. And uh, I want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, like I say, if Sam Wessel was the number three character who represents Attack of the Clones and Dex Jester was only number two, the number one character who represents Attack of the Clones, and I mean it this time, is none other than Kleeg Lars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, God bless <laughs> Kleeg Lars. 
<laughs> he had a good heart, man. He was rough around the good edges, heart. but good heart. <laughs> Shmi is my wife. Like he literally just rolls in, like rolls I'm in. your daddy now. <laughs> in the actual in the actual script, it's written Anakin, where is Shmi? And then like as the action item, like the action in the script it says, a one legged Klieg Lars appears. Like they <laughs> They hadn't decided if he would like have a chair. <laughs> that a chair. Like, he appears. <laughs> he appeared. Like maybe he's a Jedi too. He floated down. Then he just shows on up. This guy with one leg. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Like, he's such a he's such a good, you know, he's he's compelling. Like he's got a good heart. Like he's you know, the fact that he was the person on Tatooine that freed slaves or at least the one like maybe he had like 20 others like a farm over <laughs> like, that would be very unfortunate but they really yeah, we do just a... don't see him because owen does such a bad job handling him that by the time we get there they're all like underfed and well, it's like, like we, we cut away obviously from from their uh their exposition scene there but what you don't see is that like while they're putting the dishes away Kleeg's like yeah shmee 50th slave this year that, that <laughs> Owen's lost. <laughs> can't keep track of him. I tell him to get a leash, but oh, he man, says it's Owen. embarrassing. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you you know, this man, his demeanor that we're, that we're imitating here, you understand why Owen is the way he is by New Hope. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like the Klieg Lars actor whose name I should have looked up just now, but I'm facing the wrong way from the computer and I didn't want to turn around. <laughs> uh, must have studied Owen to be able to hit particular notes because there's very much, you know, the father imitating the son to play the father going on there. Absolutely. I, like I've seen that guy in other roles and it didn't hit me who he was because he wasn't so gruff, but you could hear his voice. At first, like, how do I know that voice? Like, oh my god, that's Klee Lars in The Great Gatsby. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> the Great Gatsby. Yeah, this is uh, Jack Thompson. Jack Thompson. There we go. Jack Thompson, who was in f- such films as Short Circuit, Turtle Beach, <laughs> Under the Lighthouse Dancing. <laughs> Wait, what's his wife's name? You gotta say, say, say the line in character. What what's his what's his wife's name? He's actually is Jack Thompson married. Is Jack Thompson married? Jack Thompson, uh, Leona King. <laughs> Leona King is my wife. <laughs> Jack Thompson. So good. No, Jack, you gotta say Shmee Skywalker. Oh man, I don't know her. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and also in Great Gatsby as the Doctor. So good as stuff. The doctor. Yeah, there we go. My boy Jack pulling through uh as for uh for tatooine i mean major props to them showing the sand people culture in a way we hadn't seen them before acknowledging the existence of women and children frankly no i could be wrong about that do we get to see women and children sand people prior to attack of the clones prior i don't believe so yeah and and maybe not since outside of like games and stuff Mm-hmm. So there we go. The women in the well, that's because Anakin killed them all. Like we see him in Knights of the Old Republic because they're still around by then. But you know, Anakin just killed them all. Nobody's left except a few dudes who speak sign language. 
<laughs> they're, they're like, they're telling the story to Din Djarin. They're like, man, you know why we ask for binoculars before we let anyone pass? We let this one guy pass one time. <laughs> and he slaughtered us. Just one time, you know. His mother was sick. We took him to our best doctor. What are you doing? The doctor's going to be right back. We <laughs> ran over her with the wheelchair. <laughs> Christopher Walken is the same person. What are you doing? What are, hey. <laughs> you need to understand. <laughs> oh man, love it so much. Oh gosh, really? I was about to say really ruining the Tatooine scene, but we're actually just really just making it ten times better, far less sad. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right, but um, anyhow, Tatooine finds out his mom dies, gets on the ship, gets Obi Wan's distress single to take us to the grand area for the film to Geonosis. Now talk about what lovely, fantastic background characters we have in Geonosis. I want to say what's funny about this is when watching Attack of the Clones for the first time, I thought to myself, we are never going to see half of these people on the Separatist Council again. They're just going to be one-shot people. They just look goofy, and we're going to have them for this one movie. So you can imagine the joy in my heart when we get to see them on Utapau and Revenge of the Sith. Every last one of them, the Aquilish Senators, the Corrin, you know? They were here in, in it for the long run, man. President Shu Mai of the Commerce Guild. So they don't qualify for this episode, but I want to salute them. They lasted long. They died tragic. All of what Tambor tweaking his nipples till next Tuesday. <laughs> but um yeah god god bless him not single episode characters though nope unfortunately not <laughs> unfortunately not but we'll go ahead get ourselves to the arena scene now i'm just curious do the beasts count as characters or are they beasts you know i'm gonna say they're beasts but they definitely deserve to be highlighted because you know, Star Wars is really good at introducing multiple iconic like designs at a time, but this is like three home runs, like right off the bat. Like they're just they're just all great. It's just a, a great tree. You you know that starts with there. Like let's start with the idea of a giant spider, a rhinoceros, and a cat. You know, three very recognizable animals, good recognizable starting shapes, and then just kind of getting creative from there and branching out. Let's add more spikes. Let's make them taller. Let's change the coloration. And uh, just all coming together to make three super unique and scary and a little bit cute in their own way, too. Absolutely. Who doesn't love a Nexu (laughs) smile? (laughs) (laughs) It's just happy to see everybody there. But yes, shout out to those, uh, those animals. But then the Jedi show up. Oh, oh boy, oh boy. The Jedi. So we've already mentioned Coleman Trevor, everyone's favorite dinosaur. Who uh, who could have ended the war before it started. You have to applaud the balls on that guy. You do. Like, he just like went straight for it on his own, uncoordinated. Let me just try. But then, like, we had to show that Jango Fett was good at something. So Jango Fett had to at least kill one Jedi. Might as well shoot that dude off the ledge. R.I.P. Fun fact, his council seat's the one that Kit Fisto takes. Oh, interesting. 
Who knew yeah, it? Yeah, it's a, it's a good legacy there. Yariel Poof to Coleman Treble. treble, treble. <laughs> He's not a musician. <laughs> Coleman Treber and uh, Kit Fisto. That's fantastic. That's a, that's like that seed is hollowed ground. It really is. I love I, that. I wish I knew the hierarchy of all the other seats or like the family tree, but I, I, I can't tell you any other past that. That's just my little trivia fact that gets me absolutely nowhere in life. But uh, I have it, and I'll tell it to anybody who's listening. That's phenomenal. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but yeah, do you have anybody, any any Jedi or any? I goofy? do, I do. Yeah, I just I didn't want to step on uh on you there, but I but I do. You mind if I if I rattle off a couple? Yeah, go for it. List list it off. This this is all you. So we've got here uh, Sar Labuda, who's great. Uh, and in a, in a black Jedi outfit, you know, with a, with a green saber, sort of echoing Return of the Jedi Luke. I wrote here balcony Jedi cool stuff because <laughs> only really in one shot does some cool lightsaber twirls, and that's pretty much it. You've also got Sarissa Jang or Jeng, who I wrote forehead and battle cry because she has a big forehead. Her hairline is all the way back on the middle of her head. Maybe that's a trait of her alien species. Uh, and she does a cool battle it's cry, a, a little it's roar. It's LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. <laughs> this is LeBron's cameo. Uh, <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, you've also got a Baltar Swan, which is one of my favorite Star Wars names. Uh, and she Sounds like a Game of Thrones character. Right? Baltar like, like Lord Baltar of House Swan. But Baltar Swan actually is um, the Asian actress who pops up a few times throughout the Geonosis battle and makes it to the surviving uh, 15, 20 people at the end that Yoda saves. So Baltar did very well. Uh, Baltar does ultimately fall on Geonosis. So did not make it into the animated series or anything like that. And then there's these two guys. This is Nakanis Tasu and Sefjet Jossel. And they're a pair because they are the guys that run up to the reek and toss spare lightsabers at Obi-Wan and Anakin. And it's like, these are great utility players right here. Like these guys, these guys said, you know what? I don't know. I think we should bring the spare sabers. Seth Jet's like, you think so? He's like, I just, I got a feeling about Skywalker. I think. He's been losing it a lot lately. Obi's been complaining in the cafeteria. Let's bring a couple spare sabers, clip them to our belts, and if we see them and they're in need, we just toss them. And, Let's give them a toss. <laughs> and they were so correct. And, and what's great is that if you go to StarWars.com, they have an article listing all of these Geonosis Jedi, and they specifically word it as Nakanas Tasu and the bald Sefjet Jassal. <laughs> so because he's bald, they have to specify that. It's, like it's, they're like, like it's a title. Well, it's like how you know, Cleglar is the one-legged. You know, yeah, we're just yeah, making exactly. fun of people now. Look at the guy with one leg and the guy without hair. There you go. <laughs> so, so I think that they are MVPs because if it were not for Jedi's uh, Nikanas and Sefjet, our heroes would be unarmed. Here, here. You know, you, you mentioned the name uh, Boltar Swan. And I felt inspired. He's like, how do I know that name that well? And I remember. So you're a figure guy, aren't you? You like collecting the figures. Black I do series like figures. at least. Indeed. Did you have the 
Star Wars Legacy Evolutions Jedi Collections, perhaps? I did not, but I do know of them. So there is a three-pack of that that includes the real powerhouse of green lightsaber wielders, Qui-Gon Jinn, Luke Skywalker, and Boltar Swan. Dude, the fact that Boltar Swan got in there, like, when you look at this pack, I I looked it up really quick, because I know I'd seen it before, but I knew that there was something about it. Like, when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, there's something weird about that. Let me see what it was. It's the fact that Luke is wearing this outfit that he never wears anywhere else. Uh, Presumably Legends. I mean, this was, you know, pre-Disney, pre-New Canon. So it's possible that maybe that's like an EU Luke outfit. But, yeah, Boltar Swan got in there. They could have put several different people, but no, Baltar. I, I like that. Well, you Rip- know, it's like you got Yoda. Yoda's got a green lightsaber. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, but no, let's put, and, and in the middle too, like flanked by two of the greatest Jedi of all time. Let's put Boltar Swan in there, you know. You have to wonder how they come up with some of this stuff when they pick which random characters to make figures of. Absolutely. So anybody... I, I, I dare anybody who says that the holiday troopers are ruining the integrity <laughs> of Star Wars figures. The integrity. I'm going to show them this kit here where you got Luke Skywalker wearing a scarf poncho thing that he's never worn before and Bolter Swan next to Qui-Gon Jinn. Okay? So the integrity was never there if that's your judgment. I think it still is there, frankly, and this highlights just how deep the integrity of the figure community is. Be like, look look at this, you moron. We got we got Boltar Swan in here, right? We got Boltar Swan, yeah. Disrespect. Boltar Swan, a veteran of the Petronaki arena. Veteran, my friend. No respect. Has to get health care at the VA. Uh, Terrible. Man, I, I tell you, I long for the days, and this is a whole other episode, a whole other episode that we'll probably have to schedule at some point. It's a great conversation. I long for the days when someone like Baltar could get a figure. Because nowadays, you know, obviously, bigger corporation, they're, you know, they're looking for the hitters. They, they want to make some money. I get it. Uh, but back when George was running the show, he was like, oh, yeah, make it. Whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, like, go for it. No, I the Attack of the Clones figures, out of any movie, that was the one I had the most of. And I was trying to think why that was the case. And I think that's because... Uh, like you, Attack the Clones was the first movie I saw in, in theaters. Uh, and secondly, I didn't have many Revenge of the Sith because I moved right after the movie came out. Gotcha. So, yeah, I was, I was born in Austin, but I was living in New Jersey at the time, moved back to Austin three weeks after the movie came out. So it's not like I was buying new toys or stuff like anything. So I'm kind of missing out on all that Revenge of the Sith merchandise. But Attack of the Clones, I had a ton of it. Though in 2008, I did not get the the Jedi Evolutions uh, pack of figures. So I'm going to look on eBay tonight and see. Uh, maybe I'll pick that up just for uh, just for good good riddance. Well, thank Absolutely. you for naming thank you for naming off all the the Jedi and helping us get in this uh, this Boltar Swan uh, runoff. I know we're getting here towards uh, towards the end of the movie, but I have a few more people who I think deserve a little shout out. Absolutely. Uh, one of them, it's a clone. I don't know his, his call sign or his call number, I should say. And this is the clone who falls out of the gunship with Padme. Love him. And the reason I draw attention to it is when I first saw the film, based on no evidence whatsoever other than that here was a man touching Padme looking like that, that they were going to have a romantic relationship. <laughs> I kid you not. I genuinely thought 
that Padme was going to leave Anakin for this clone because he was there for her because Anakin flew away. I was like, well, there we go. You know what, Anakin, you totally screwed your shot. Obi-Wan just cock-blocked you, and now the clone's going to get some. Like, I really <laughs> thought that. I honestly thought. They're like, oh, Padme and the clone, there we go. Never going to see her again. Well, maybe she'd show back up, but on no evidence, I guess, other than she looked good and the man touched her. You had strong romantic instincts as a young man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Powerful. That's why I thought. That's why I thought the mailman was dating everybody. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that guy's really well liked by the community. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> Anyhow, so that's just my little take about that clone. And then, uh, you know, we we keep running out of characters to see as we as we get towards the end, but. I got one at the very, very end. Unless you have somebody between the clone falling out of the ship and the ending. I'm trying to think of how close to... Are you talking about the actual final scene, like the final shot? Not quite. Or is it the final shot? I'm getting, I'm getting the ending so confused. Are, are you referring head. to the wedding? I'm referring to the wedding. Okay, I have, someone, I have someone right before the wedding. Okay, who do you have and I'll do the wedding. So, real quick shout out to... Uh, Count Dooku for just his immense style. And with that is not only his cape, not only his curved lightsaber hilt and, you know, with his, with his chain on his outfit and just his, his slicked back white hair. No, 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 no. We also have to highlight the solar sailor that he flies. And it's it just what a phenomenal vehicle. And I have to give love to the FA4 pilot droid whose entire existence is just ferrying Count Dooku to and from places. <laughs> when I when Dooku escapes dueling Yoda, you know, he gets in the solar sailor and it takes off and then you see the sail expand as he leaves orbit. And then you're like, oh, he's not actually piloting. He just gets to sit because that is luxury. And the F- FA-4 pilot droid just does all the work. He pro- probably has never even actually had a conversation with Dooku. Dooku, Dooku would, would give him a backhand and, and, and a stern look if he ever tried to start conversation. <laughs> it's like the whole idea, like Uber, you get in an Uber, right? Or a Lyft. It's like, guy only said hello, five stars, perfect driver, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, all, it's all you want. You know, Love there was it. a couple other droids who would fly Dooku around, but they were too chatty, so it had to work his way down. There's like the fifth or sixth one who finally learned, like, mm-mm. Uh, keep it quiet. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, my final character here is Max Iron Aguilerga. Maxaron Aguilerga. I don't know how you emphasize on that. That's what he's called in uh, in Legends. In canon, he's just referred to as a holy man. <laughs> and he is the officiant of the wedding of Anakin and Padme. He uh, is rocking... This goofy little hood thing that has tendrils coming down in a way. It's like he's trying to replicate like an English judge's wig, except it's entirely two-dimensional and purple instead of fluffy. It uh, is inexplicable to me how they got this guy to officiate their wedding and keep it a total secret. He is a lake folk. It's amazing. I can confirm that. The the book says he is one of the lake folk, so... uh, but you really got to applaud him. It amounted to a tremendous degree of secrecy. And I would say if I had a terrible confession in life, that is the holy man I would seek out. 
Agreed. I mean, this guy, not only was he, you know, marrying people on the DL, because who knows? I mean, Lake Folk, you know, some drunken nights, like you never know. He's probably done some some off-the-cuff weddings, but this is, it's not just, you know, a shotgun wedding. It's a, you can't tell the Jedi Knights about this. This is breaking one of the most, like, sanctimonious of codes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I'm down. Like, this, yeah, is, this is a real is- one. This is not the first senator of Naboo he's secretly married. You know, it's bound to have happened. He's an old guy. He probably, you know, before that we found out this whole business that Ray's dad was a failed clone of Sheev, assuming that there was actually a wedding, he he officiated the wedding between Sheev and Ray's grandmother. In that scenario, which I still think is true, that whole failed clone business, just fake news, fake news. It was really, really the holy man. It's funny, in Legends, he is a member of the Brotherhood of Cognizance. Whoa. Which is like, why Why did we not bring that one back out? <laughs> I mean, all, what a name. The Brotherhood of Cognizance. Yeah, that's a, that's a real deep cut podcast. Like, Brother of Cognizance, a Star Wars podcast. What sort of name is that? That makes no sense. Like, oh, please. We're going to get stage time at Star Wars Celebration. We're the Brotherhood. We're the Brotherhood oh God, of Cognizance. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> all five listeners of the brotherhood of cognizance showing up for the the, the podcast day was family friendly <laughs> meet us at the Domino's Sexy pizza Jetsons. we're gonna do the brotherhood of cognizance meetup and we're gonna get pins <laughs> the, you know, the brotherhood Jets. of cognizance is actually a great name for like some eu purists they're like my star wars ended in 2013 <laughs> a phenomenal phenomenal uh characterization there they have a beef with the sexy jetsons because the sexy jetsons are like what's canon we don't yeah. know we <laughs> don't know <laughs> the sexy jetsons yeah like is that something you shoot like oh god drat <laughs> You guys will never make it in the Brotherhood. I love it. He's not, it's not, uh, our, our holy man is not just any member of the Brotherhood. He's the pontifex of the Brotherhood of Congress. Wow. Good for him. I mean, this is great. What a career. They, they were a contemplative order, worshiping art in all its forms. Will someone let Thrawn know? This would be perfect for him, such as poetry, music, paintings, and aesthetics. Love it. Well, there we go. What an ending, man. What a final character. Culture. What a final culture, art, poetry. <laughs> well, Alden, it has been a real delight having you on the show and going through the attack of the clones with you in this uh, magnificent adventure through all these zany characters. Absolutely, man. This has been such a joy. It, it just, there has not been a moment of this journey with you that hasn't made me just want to immediately run and watch the movie. Oh, I know. Absolutely. I, I think this movie is the one I've actually seen the most. Uh, just because as a kid, I watched it so many times. Right. Maybe, uh, Phantom Menace may have been more than it because it's back and forth between those two VHSs for a long time. And Phantom Menace had a few years on the head. But um, Attack of the Clones, so much to discover, so much to see. And I'm sure that you could probably make another podcast just as long with a completely different set of characters. Probably. You know, like, for instance, we didn't actually talk about Django Fett as a single episode character. No, we didn't. We didn't talk about didn't. Dorme. We didn't talk about Dorme. Yeah. Our, you know, great career start there. Rose Byrne. I don't, know, yeah. I don't know if that was her career start, but, you know, I mean, she was in other stuff, but it's yeah, a really popular eye. Role. Good, good things in uh, Indeed. 
Well, do you have anything you want to promote? Things going on on your show or uh, new episodes popping out? Any other projects you're working on? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you guys right now uh, is October. And so we are doing October. Uh, so October is uh, me bringing on different people that are, uh, you know, have a foot in the Star Wars space and a foot in the horror space. And in a conversation, you know, similar length to the one we just had, you know, in, in a you know hour-ish po- uh, podcast, we are going to iron out all the details on a Star Wars horror movie. We're going to make it up from scratch what it would be like. So that's uh, a limited, you know, sub-series that's going on, some a series of specials. But, you know, interviews continuing on Octo Radio, uh, you know, this week, week and a half, you know, when this episode drops, you'll be able to check out episodes with our mutual friend Chris Swift talking about uh, Carrie Fisher and the legacy of Leia. And then uh, we're also talking to uh, Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained. Oh, that'll be truly fantastic. I know I for sure will be listening. And listeners, the Babble Bubble, you should be as well. That is Octo Radio. And you can find Octo Radio on... Yeah, you can find us Yeah, on uh, (laughs) Apple Podcasts as well as all your podcast platforms hosted through Anchor. They put the show everywhere. And on social media at Octo Radio, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. And then you can follow me at A-D underscore Strider. All right. Well, friend, it has been a tremendous pleasure. And per usual to all of you folks who tune in regularly, or even if this is your first time because you just are that big of an Alden fan, because, I mean, who isn't? So thank you, Alden, for letting me steal your fans for an episode. Oh, of course. In fact, keep them. Just keep them. <laughs> Just keep them. <laughs> need, a, need a restart anyway. This 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 lot. I'm rebooting them. Rebooting. Anyhow, I'll catch you